They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. Yes, 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 my friends. We are back. It is the one and only, you know what you love it, the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Joe O'Donnell on the ones and twos. Johnny Mita keeping it real in the Illadelph. What's up, Johnny Meats? What's happening, Joseph? Not much, brother. Not much. Been a long time, my friend. Couple week hiatus. We're back at yeah, it. Cu- couple weeks, man. A lot of a lot of busyness going on here in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. Real stuff. We got real stuff going on. Um yeah. you know what? Maybe at some point we change the intro a little bit. Maybe we can have some of our uh, rabid listeners. All twelve of them uh, yeah. chime in with some, you know, what what other sports moments should we put in that intro? You know, throwing batteries at JD Drew's great, stinks in the trash, yeah. great. But should yeah. we have should we have the whining of Sam Bradford? Should that go in there? Oh God, are you kidding me? The grease no. fire that was Chip Kelly's last season. Should that go? I mean, what do you know? The num the Sixers get the number one pick. The assassination of Sam Bradford. <laughs> no, so at, at some point we got to uh, <laughs> we got to freshen that up. Probably won't happen yeah, for yeah. like six months now, but at least I'm mentioning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we could. Uh, well, I got to be honest with you, man. Those were, you know, in our intro, those were some highlights. We haven't had that many highlights lately, you know. Yeah. Besides the World Series, I mean, think about it. Like, what has been that great? You know, I was landing some high draft picks, which is great. But other than that, there's really nothing to uh, nothing to be that excited. Oh no, no we got we got Chris Jenkins now, brother. Oh, uh, sure. We could add ba- bang. bang. Let's put bang on there. Bang! It's funny you say that. I just bought my fiance and a roommate two T-shirts and Wayne Sporting Goods. The bang T-shirt, love it. Of course, they didn't have one for my size, which I was totally depressed about. But what are you going to do? You got to go to the big and tall section, brother. <laughs> yeah, they don't exist. Follow us on Twitter at B Love Podcast at B Love Podcast. Little preview of what we got for you here tonight on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. The Sixers get the number one pick in the NBA draft just a few weeks away from now, so we'll uh, we'll dissect that. We'll talk about Carson Wentz, more and more coming out about the new Eagles franchise quarterback. Stories are being written, mini camps, rookie mini camps, OTAs. So we'll get into a little bit about that. Um, and maybe if the pulse has changed for either one of us on the draft day trade, that uh, the pre-draft trade that eventually netted Carson Wentz to the Eagles. And then, of course, yeah. spread the love, which we haven't done in a while. But we're going to lead Johnny Mita. With the fighting Phils, because we have not done them uh, done them justice. The season started, we were pretty much writing them off, and here they are after their win this afternoon over the Miami Marlins, seven games above five hundred, and with the second most wins in the National League, pending some other play tonight in Major League Baseball. Obviously exceeding expectations. 
This team started 0-4. They're 24-13 since. They're tied for first in the division. Right now with the Nationals, again, pending some other action tonight. 12 wins at home already. Five games over 500 at Citizens Bank Park. That's good to see. Remember the, the uh, heyday of Phillies baseball just a couple years back? They were dominant in Philly. Can these guys keep it up? Huh. Wow. That's a hard question to answer. It is absolutely amazing the run that this team has been on. Another stat that was thrown out by Jason Stark, the great man, baseball guy from ESPN. Their run differential, just they're minus 28. Minus 28. Yeah. And yet there's seven games over 500. That's never been done in the sport before. Yeah, well, I mean, logic would tell you that it's, they can't keep it up then. Right. Exactly. But if you look at the way this team's going, I mean, no one would have expected that they would get the starting pitching that they have this year. Yep. Velasquez has been unbelievable. His stuff is straight filthy. The couple of the outings, I mean, he is, he can just season up like this. So he might be getting mentioned in the Cy Young territory. You got to look at the closer that they also got in that deal. He's got the most saves in baseball, 15 saves. They've won, what, a handful, like 12 to 15. They've won like 12 one run games. I mean, it's not like they're, the bats are on fire. You look at their outfield. And they don't have any corner outfields, and this team continues to win. It's been unbelievable. you got to tip your cap off to Pete McCannon. This guy's done an excellent job. Since he took over for the job last year, me and you, you know, the two of us, we had Schilski on, and he really thought Pete McCannon, he'd like to see him, you know, get a shot of being the full-time manager. He relates with the Latino players. He speaks fluent Spanish, so he's got everybody on board. And the one thing about this team that just makes them really fun to watch is just their spirit and energy on All the right. field. All right, and let's stay right there for a minute, okay? And this isn't um, maybe – I wanted to kind of go down this path, wasn't sure if we would get there. But now that you've brought it up, I, I, I got to stay here for a minute. Part of me doesn't like that, John Mita. And look, I love the swagger they're playing with. I love the energy, the celebrations uh, in the dugout. You know, Doobie yeah. Herrera, my boy now. He's my boy now. He wasn't before. He almost blew that Cole Hamels no-hitter um, yeah. a year ago. But, you know, he he barks, and he's not yelling at the umps, but he's just an emotional player, like an extremely emotional yeah. player. Down the first baseline, he's clapping his hands. He's barking yeah. out loud when he swings and misses at a pitch he thinks he should have hit. Part of me likes that, okay? I like the energy. I like the passion. Yeah. Part of me is old school. Part of me yearns for the Chase Utleys of the world. Chase Utley could not play on this baseball team. I'm sorry. He couldn't. And yeah. and so, as much as I like the energy and the youthfulness of some of their core players, and a lot of them are Latin players, um, yeah. part of some of it still bothers me a little bit. I, I kind of feel like they need a little bit of growing up to do, which is to be expected, of course. They have a little bit of act like you've been there. They need to get across. Look, play with fire, play with passion. But I really believe that if your core is as flamboyant as their core appears to be, I don't know that the details of the game, the fundamentals of the game, are always going to be executed. Now, with that said, so far this year, they have done a nice job in these one-run games, sacrifice, uh, you know, they had the suicide squeeze the other day. They're playing good defense. They're getting good pitching. They're not booting the ball around. They're, for the most part, hustling out of the box, those sorts of things, taking the extra base. I love it. I think a lot of that's McCannon. I think he's an aggressive manager from what I've, from what I've seen. 
But a part of me wants them to just, just let's take it easy with this over-the-top exuberance, focus a little bit more. Uh, maybe that's not even the right word. I guess part of me is just concerned that they're, they're on their sleeve emotion, their passion for the game, it sometimes needs to be reined back in a little bit. Am I crazy? I wouldn't say you're crazy, um, but that's what you're going to get when you, when you get a team that's this young. Do you know, what? there's only a select amount of veterans. Yeah, you look at that team. You got Ryan Howard, two Truies. Yeah, I mean, there's really not that many guys that have been who were part of those, you know, Philly teams. Those, yeah, Blanc- those Blanco's teams. a veteran guy. I was looking up his numbers earlier. I didn't realize he started yeah. playing like in 2004 or something. Andres yeah. Blanco. Yeah. So he's been around the block. I didn't even honestly. He was with the Phillies two years ago. Apparently, I didn't know that either. I, I swear I did not know. If you yeah. had told me he was on the team last year, he played like some ridiculous amount of games for the Phillies last year, like a hundred games. Yeah. I, I would have never guessed that either. Yeah, I mean, was no he doubt. was he just that invisible? Because he's hit the cover off the ball in spot duty this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know what they remind me of? It's kind of funny. Ninety three Phils. No, they're telling you the Major League, the movie, yes. the baseball team, yes. the Tribe, the Cleveland Indians, man. That's who they remind me of. It's like nobody expected us to be any good. Nobody expected us to do a thing except maybe lose over 100 games. And we're going to come out with some fire and play with a little chip on our shoulder. And we're going to show people. And I, I love that attitude. I think it's hilarious. I, I think it's great. And I think it's something to get this town excited again. If you look at, you know, we, we've had this discussion several times as far as, you know, what major sports teams are, are going to win the next championship. Listen, if the Phillies clock a couple more, if they get like one more good starting pitcher and they find some people to play the outfield for them, this team can be in contention within the next two years. Well, the NL East is the NL East is a is a legit division. As much as it pains me to say it, the Mets have arms for days, and the yeah. Nationals have a lineup that the 2008 right. Phillies think is a good lineup. I mean, so yeah. it, it's not ever going to be easy sledding in the division. And plus, you know, the Marlins aren't a laughing yeah. stock like they used to be. Um, yeah. You know, I I do like seeing the ballpark more full. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've noticed that watching from afar. You know, early yeah. on the crowds were dismal. You know, just a joke. And now you're seeing, I don't know, 30,000 maybe, uh, 35,000 maybe. There's still empty seats, obviously, but this team has played. The casual fan is back at Citizens Bank Park, from what I can tell. And that's obviously a great sign. Couple numbers I want to hit on. You talked about the pitching. Fifth best earned run average in the National League for your Philadelphia Phillies. They lead the league in strikeouts with almost 400 of them already. Not, not bad strikeouts, meaning hitting. I'm talking the pitching dicing apart the other team. That, that to me, is unbelievable. Now, you talked about the lack of hitting. 25th in Major League Baseball, the 235 average. A lot of that's the first base position. You hit on the corner outfielders a couple of times. Darren yeah. Ruff can't play his way onto the field again. And Ryan Howard's hitting a yeah. buck 68. Yeah. Well, you know? Here comes Tommy Joseph. Yes. And look at what their infield could look like, right? If Joseph keeps on hitting, just say, you know, whatever. You got Franco, eventually J.P. Crawford comes up. You slide Galvis from short to second. And then you got Tommy Joseph. <laughs> your infield looking pretty set. And then you uh, you get some outfielders, and you're on the way here. Yeah. So, I, I, love the the con- I love the contributions from everyone. It seems like every night 
a different role yeah. player is sort of is sort of stepping up for him. Um, you know, Janmar Gomez, you talked about his 16 saves. Blanco, as I touched yeah. on, big hits. Carlos Ruiz having kind of a, a a comeback season, hitting 269. Tyler Goodell has been a nice find. A Rule 5 draft pick. Remember the last Rule 5 draft pick that had a major impact with the Phillies? Shane Victorino. The flying Hawaiian, brother. So I, I like, you know, Goodell to me reminds he's a little Hunter Pence-ish, if you will. Um, right. He might not have the pop that Pence does, but he's kind of lanky, plays good outfield. You know, I, I really like what I've seen from him. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if they can keep it up, I, but I think at this point the expectations are at a level where, you know, you're looking at possibly a 500 ball club. Which you would take all day long. Would definitely take all day long because here, here's the yeah. thing for me. Even if they fall apart, even if they don't make the postseason. They have learned a lot, I would think, through the first six weeks of the season. Learning how to win, being in some of these tight games, having the belief that their group is good enough. You know, they're not a doormat like they were last year with 99 losses. This isn't a 99-loss team. Uh, and, and it's amazing how quickly things have turned around. Matt Klintak deserves a ton of credit. Pete McCannon deserves a ton of credit. And the core group of guys, young and old, this seems to be a good mix. So... Um, overall, very impressed. Love the way they're playing ball right now and hope they keep it up. Amen, brother. All right, let's jump to the birds real quick before we take a break. I've been reading a lot about Carson Wentz lately. Obviously, he's story one and 1A most times on Philly.com or on Comcast Sportsnet or ESPN. If they're talking birds, it's because Carson Wentz was stretching his hamstrings out on the field. <laughs> I see how excited he is. I've heard about how smart he is, football IQ. I've read all the articles you can possibly read. But I'm still a little skeptical, John Mita. I'm I'm more excited than I was pre-draft, but I'm still not sold because I don't think he's going to take the football week one or week two. And who knows? Who knows? We don't know. With all that said, where are you now as opposed to a few weeks ago on Carson Wentz and the move to get him? Well, I mean, I was pretty much in favor of the move to the fact that if you can get, if you think you're getting yourself a franchise quarterback for the future, and you can, no one thought the Eagles were going to be able to move up to number two. I mean, it's especially considering when they started at 13. You go from 13 to eight, eight to two. Never thought that would happen. And if you look at the two quarterbacks who were chosen in the top five, I definitely think they got the better one as far as skill set. I mean, he's a big guy. I'm excited about. It seems like he loves football, and I love his attitude. You know, he's coming in here to compete. He said, I don't care if I'm holding the clipboard, if I'm going to be the second stringer, if I'm going to be the starter. I just want to come in and help win games. And he kind of took on the same attitude that Aaron Rodgers had when he sat behind Brett Favre for all those years in Green Bay. So who knows what's going to happen with Sam Bradford. Next thing you know, he gets clipped in week two. He's out for five games. Chase Daniels stinking up the joint. Next thing you know, Carson Wentz enters. And then the Wentz era begins. Clearly, this is the guy that they wanted all along. Um, I know competition-wise, it's frightening. Yes, that's. I can't get over that. I'm sorry. No matter what no, they say, no matter how many good quotes he has, 
I don't care yeah. about the press conference, the fake press conference the Eagles put him through with questions from the <laughs> fake Philadelphia media. To me, none of that matters, man. It's going to be December. At some point at the link, they're going to go three and out, three and out, be down 10 nothing to God knows who, and the boo birds yeah. are going to come out, and this small-town kid is going to have a gut-check moment. And that's when well, I'm going to know if Howie Roseman did his homework. Well, you know what? Let me talk about your gut-check moment, which is a funny. It's funny you bring that up because – you know, basically they go, you know, interviewers and reporters and everybody leaning up to draft after it got selected by Philly. They asked Carson Wentz, so well, how are you going to feel about it? You know, if Philly fans have been known to do, you know, some of their players, he goes, really? He said, I've never been booed before because <laughs> they were always doing well. You know, when he played at home, he said, I've never been booed before, which I thought was fantastic. And he said, bring it on. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, John Mina. I it, he seems he seems too I don't want to say too perfect, but everything is has been I feel like so scripted so far. Yeah, I just think that's who he is. I, I don't know. We'll see, man. I, I just think I, I think he's going to be a player, man. I, I think they found the gem. Then why did nobody else try and go up and get him? Why did the <laughs> Cleveland Browns move out if he was that damn good? I'll tell you what. Why was not every media pundit saying this is the best move ever made? I'll tell you why. Because Hugh Jackson wants to to be the guy to take RG3 back to the level that everybody thought he could be at. Well, then he's an idiot. That's his whole thing. Well, yeah. He's also coaching the Browns. So (laughs) they don't always make the wisest decisions. I understand that. But listen, it was a big jump to go up and get this. Then why, why didn't the Cowboys go up and get him? Because the Cowboys think that they're two players away from winning right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why they took Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. Because they feel like... So, oh am I, cra- am I crazy? Okay, so two years ago, the Eagles won the NFC East. The year yeah. after that, the Cowboys won it. They both had f- yeah. grease fire seasons this past year. So, what? Yeah. So if, if Jerry Jones, granted he's delusional, I know, if he thinks they're two players away... Why should my logic on the Philadelphia Eagles be much different? Why, to me, at number eight, they had a chance to add an impact player and set the franchise up for a postseason run this year. Now, they don't have draft picks until Jake, my five-year-old, is in college. (laughs) That's the next time they have a first-round pick, I feel like. That bothers me. How can you get any better next year and the year after and the year after when you've totally just tore the cupboard apart from a replenishing standpoint in the NFL draft. Look at the Green Bay Packers, dude. The Green Bay Packers have set the model of drafting and and keeping their own and developing their own, and they're a pretty damn good franchise. The Philadelphia Eagles have missed on draft picks, have traded away draft picks, and have spent money in free agency. The only way the Eagles can get better next offseason, and probably the one after that, for the most part, for the most part, is through the free agent market. Sure. That's well, not a recipe to get it done. So did the Eagles then, are they, are they, oh, is Jeffrey Lurie okay with setting the franchise back one, two, possibly three seasons until Wentz is Pro Bowl ready? Until Darren Sproles can't play another down 
and Jordan Matthews is in his sixth year in the league, and Zach Ertz is, you know, Fletcher Cox now needs to get paid. I mean, they have some core guys that are young, and I feel like this could this is now a, not a rebuilding process. I could be way off. Look, I could be way off, and I and I hope they win twelve games, but they could be setting themselves back two or three years now. Yeah, but I I don't know, Joe. I think you're a little way off in thinking how close this team is to winning. I think they're building. I think once they can get their defense at that high level, like they did when Jim Johnson was running the show, they could be right there. They could have your type of game manager quarterback. But let's face it, if you don't have a starting quarterback in this league, I mean, honestly. But why? Well, what was Bradford? wrong with Sam Bradford? Oh, God. Don't even tell me you're now a Sam Bradford apologist. Oh, my God. I'm about to throw up. Seriously, yo. though. What what was what what didn't what did he not do? What did, he, what, what did he do to be like? Oh man, that's our guy. That's our guy. I'm not saying he's the savior. I'm just saying <laughs> that there were more than a few moments last year where he was more than capable of winning football games. They had multiple deficiencies around the quarterback position that could have been addressed this year, and I feel like Howie. Give him some credit. Did that in the offseason. He got rid of some terrible contracts. He got rid of some guys that can't play Byron Maxwell. And he got better. All right? The, the, the secondary additions they made, the safety position additions, the depth additions they made in free agency, linebacking, are good. Those are good moves. The team got better defensively. They got better before the draft, well before the draft. They could have added a piece at number 8 or number 13 or wherever the hell they were going to pick and not mortgage the future. Look who Sam Bradford had to throw the ball to last year. Seriously. Seriously. Sure, but how many excuses... Look at the offensive line. Look at the offensive offensive line line last year. I agree with you there. The line was pathetic. So maybe... They have addressed that now. Okay, Okay. so if you're telling me they got better defensively and they got better on the offensive line, and I, you and I both think they've at least addressed the wide receiver position a hair with Ruben Randall and Chris Givens, a hair better than Riley Cooper who stinks, so why not take a shot with Sam Bradford? One year, even if it's one year, this year, well, add somebody. Well, yeah, but, the, but they didn't add somebody at number eight. All right, well, who was the guy that you won that eight that'll impact this football team? Well, riddle me that, Batman. Give me the guy. Honestly, the Cowboys might have taken a quarterback at number four, and Ezekiel Elliott might have been on the board. Or Jalen Ramsey might have been on the board. Shut down corner, possibly. I mean, you know more about these these prospects than I do. Yeah, but but none of those guys were left at it. The only people that were left on the board were the tackles. The e- well, okay, so what's wrong with that? Lane Johnson's worked out pretty well. I agree with you, but I think that I think they're dude. The Eagles said, when the Eagles moved up to number eight. The quote from your boy Howie Roseman was, "We have we have identified ten players in this draft that basically are not franchise changers, but the, there are ten guys that separate themselves from everybody else. We're going to get one of them." I was that lip service because I no, bought I don't it. Think it was I think that's legit. And as soon as they saw an opportunity then to move up more, give them credit, they went and did it. But they yeah. just gave up so much, Johnny Meter. I know. Well, they gave and there weren't any much. other teams, at least not media reported, that were trying to make this move. And that concerns me. 
And here's here's little North Dakota guy with his <laughs> everything's perfect. He's ready for Philly. He's so smart. He's so great, but nobody heard of him. Nobody heard of him two years ago. He's played twenty three games in college against a school, that, you know, at a school that literally I could compete at. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they're like the Alabama of Division. Do you know what I mean? It's not like there's some terrible one double A They have dominated, you know, that comp, like that division, so to speak. For the last five years, they've won four national championships. Exactly. And guess what? Every year, guess what? Every year they've gone against D one schools. We beat Missouri and they beat Iowa State. I'm not saying that those are world beater programs. For a one double A school to beat a D one school, that's usually a pretty big deal. And they did it twice. So I don't know. All right. I, I like it's a tangible state. I, I love the fact that we're going at it at the head of you tonight. I never thought. You're pitching your buggy to Sam Bradford for God. Sam! Good Sam! 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 Sam, I am. All right, we'll take a break. Calm the hell down. We'll wrap it up with some talk about the Sixers lottery pick and spread the love. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast. Exclusively on SoundCloud.com. Are you clapping your hands and stomping, uh, stomping your feet there, Johnny Mita? Oh, I already had the, the Kendo and Matumbo made that day around 530. <laughs> got the number one pick. Uh, that was hilarious. Mount Matumbo. A little blunder by Big Deke. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Oh, well, the Sixers have the number one pick. The draft feels like it's uh, weeks away at this point. When is it? Me- middle June? Yeah, no, it's late June. Late June. Last week in June. I think it might be like June 26th for some reason that's ringing a bell. Usually no. it's like a Thursday night, something like that. Well, the last time the Sixers had the number one pick, they selected AI, the answer, Allen Iverson, who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. That worked out pretty well. Uh, most pundits, Johnny Mita, think Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram, Simmons of LSU, Ingram from Duke. Your thoughts? Yeah, there's, those are the top two players. Those are the choices. Um, it's a hard decision. They're kind of two. They're similar players in a lot of ways, and then they're very different. You look at Ben Simmons. I mean, here's a guy that's 6'11", can handle the ball like a point guard, scores, rebounds, unbelievable passer, great facilitator. Defense is lacking. He's not the strongest defender. And a lot of that, you know, the desire and the will to play defense. It's not like he's not athletic enough. It's like, but does he have the heart? And you look at Brandon Ingram, he's like 6'9", his wingspan's like 7'4". It reminds me a lot of like Kevin Durant. I know that's a big step to say, oh, this guy is like this guy. But at the same time, 
He can shoot the ball well from three-point line. He can get to the basket. He's a little slight. He needs to put on some weight, his figure. He needs to gain some strength. He's a really nice player. It's really a toss-up. I love that everything that Ingram brings to the table as a player. The one thing, you got to love Simmons, his total package, but the one thing that I'm just, that I'm red flagged over is the fact that it's his desire. Like, this kid's been great all the time. He's kind of weird, too. Like, he didn't even show up to the Chicago Combine. He didn't work out. He didn't even get measured. Like, the guy's just a little mysterious. Another thing that I heard is that the reason why he chose LSU is because he wanted to film a documentary on his freshman year. And they were the one school that was like, yeah, you can have the camera crew follow you around the entire time. So that's kind of a little crazy. A guy that that's full of himself. Now, listen, everybody loves a little cockiness. You love a little confidence. You like that in a player. And my whole thing is, is this guy going to put in the time is he going to put in the work to become great? And that's what concerns me. Does the guy love basketball? Is he a gym rat? Is he, he every day all he thinks about? Or does he just like what it brings him and his lifestyle? That's what I want. The one thing about him is that his father and Brett Brown have a great relationship because Brett Brown coached his father. So from that standpoint, also, He's got the Australian connection. Brett Brown was the Australian, you know, the national coach. So if there's anybody that could get the most out of Ben Simmons, it's probably Brett Brown. So from that standpoint, I like it. But Ingram might be the safer pick. So it's hard to say right now. In a perfect world, I would like to get two of these. I'd like to either get Simmons, Ingram. Obviously, they're going to end up with one or the And I would love to find a way to get back in the first round and take a point guard like Chris Dunn from Providence. If you get yourself a franchise point guard and a franchise-type swingman, three, small forward, you know, Ben Simmons, the thing about him, the guy can play any position on the floor, which is frightening. But that's kind of where I go. And then you have the dilemma, right? Both these guys are huge. I mean, one six nine, the other six eleven. Well, now you have a log game of business. So what do you do? Do you find a trade partner for a guy like Jaleel Okafor? Now, he's going to bring you the most haul back in a package. I don't know how much one team will give up for a guy like Nerland Noel. And then you got to bank on the health of Joel Embiid. Yeah, and I, that's so why, that's why, my man, I wouldn't trade any of the, the quote-unquote big three. I wouldn't move any of them. To me, the waiting game pays, gives you the most return, has the, has the biggest dividends. Because you don't know about Embiid. I'm sorry, you just don't. And I love the positive news, and I love that the organization's thrilled on on the, the latest scan on his on his foot, and he's getting there, and he's going to be back. Who knows, man? Who knows? So I would hate for them to part with any of those three. What's the rush in parting with one of those three? Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. There is, there is no rush. But I just, my whole thing did. The scenario I weigh is, okay, who's going to be a better team, a better player, I'm sorry, long-term for you? A franchise point guard like Chris Dunn or a Jaleel Okafor that can get you 20 and 10? 
This league is driven by guards this day, these days. Driven by guards. So, to me, I, I'd really like to find that franchise point guard in this draft, too. All right, so let me throw this so, scenario out to you. Are you calling me crazy if I say the Sixers should move the number one pick, slide back just a couple of spots, look at Phoenix, Minnesota, New Orleans, four, five, and six, Denver, number seven, maybe at the at the at the most, meaning don't go back any further than that, and draft a guy like Buddy Heald. I mean, why why can't we do both right now? Why can't we get where I'm at either Ingram or Simmons and get Buddy Heald? I mean, am I insane? Is he is healed not is healed not top five, top seven material in this draft? Do I not know enough? I mean, tell me. No, I would say he's a tweener between five and seven. I think he'll go. There's no way he gets out of the top ten. You know what I mean? He gets drafted before top ten. But I think the earliest he goes might be five. So if you could find a so, team where you could add so some I'm, assets and they really want to move up a few spots. Right. If you could get Ben Simmons, right? Six, ten guys, whatever, play your three slash four. And then trade Okafor to Phoenix. At number four? For the number four pick. Yeah. And just trade him. And you you also have two other first rounds. Yeah, 24th yeah, and 26th. 26, yep. You get the Lakers pick next year. That's why. Is that guaranteed seven. now? Is there any more protection or no, is that finally it? No. I think it's one more year, top three. So listen, they'll be better than top three this year. Because they got a lot of money. They'll find somebody. You know, DeMar DeRozan, the shooting guard for Toronto, said he's booked to LA. So there's no way that they'll be. So that's what I mean. That's why I think you all know their pick. You also get the flip-flop that picks to Sacramento next year. If Sacramento does worse than us, we get their number one pick because of the Stasky's trade. Right. So there's all these scenarios, but I think it's so important this year to get two of these guys in the top ten. You know, I think they have to find a way. you got to take either Ingram or Simmons and then find a way to get back in and take a guy like Buddy Heald or Chris Duff. Yeah, I'm with that you. would just, I don't know how you do it. There's so many scenarios. You can offer up players. You can offer up future draft picks. Hell, we could give up our first rounder for next year. Right, because you're going to end up with right, you're gonna end up right. with one or two anyway. Well, right. Because if you would give up yours, you could say, listen, if you let us get back in the top ten this year, we'll give you our pick, and then we'll give you the Lakers pick. Now you got two picks next year in the top ten, and supposedly the draft class next year is a lot better than the class this year. And you would still, so if you're the Sixers, and, the team. if you're the Sixers, and you made that type of move, you would still have the Kings pick. Uh, or you're saying move the King, no, move no, the Lakers you, pick, and move your pick. Move your pick, right? But then your pick could turn in. The pick you give up to that team could turn into the Kings pick. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. If they have a better, if they have a worse record than you. Yep. With you. So, which is very enticing. So, I, I think it's imperative if you can land. Think about that. You get a guy like Chris Dunn, Ben Simmons to go with, you know, and Bead. There's some decent quality free agents. The Sixers have more money than God right now. Well, with the new NBA TV deal, everybody will have money. But 
they have a lot of money to fill in some spots and finally get some players that aren't D-leaders on this roster. So it's going to be crazy, man. We'll see what Brian Colangelo will, will do here. So it, it, it's exciting. But it's nice to know that finally, you know, they they, that they secured a number one pick because they've had some terrible luck the last couple of years. Yep, I agree. Let's uh, let's spread the love. Let's do the spread the before love. Before we get on out of here, a little romantic music for you. Here we go. Um. You want to start? We were talking before we began. I think we're going to have the same spread the love. So why don't you start? And um, I've kind of have a two-parter as well, but I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about if we hit the same topic. Go right ahead, my friend. Spread the love. All right. My first spread the love, I'm going to give a big shout-out to my nephew that's graduated from Drexel Law School. hey Dan Mita. Dan Mita, the first lawyer in the Mita family. Finally. <laughs> for a good lawyer for years. So, congrats to my nephew. What an accomplishment. Did the, uh, the, the accelerated law school route. And already has a job with a big firm. So, big ups to him, man. My second in sports-related spread the love is to one other. And some people might kill me for this one. But you got to give it up to Sam Henke, man. Sam Henke. Everybody hated the process. Trump the process. Tank, tank, tank. Everybody was killing this guy, but if you look at his track record, you could hate him as a GM. Is he media friendly? No. He never wanted to talk to anybody. The guy lived in a cave. When he resigned, he gave the most obtuse 15-page report than anybody ever read. But if you look at what he's done for this franchise, think about this. They have a number one pick coming up in the draft. And beat if he's healthy, could be unbelievable. They get Okafor. They have two first-rounders. They have so many assets. they got a guy stashed over in Europe. This team, in the next two years, could get right back and be competitive in the playoff hunt. And, Joe, you probably didn't see it, but that Spinny Live was on fire. After they got the number one pick, the crowd started screaming, and then they chanted, Thank you, Sam! Yes, I did see that. <laughs> so, Sam, thank you, man. This will be the only spread of love he ever gets. Yeah. He needs some yeah. love, man. He's he's unemployed right now. Good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to spread the yeah. love, and, and I'm, I'm kind of stunned you didn't go this route, especially since it was so recent. But last yeah. night, uh, arguably the pulse of the Philadelphia Phillies for the last decade. Sorry, Jimmy Rollins. Sorry, Chase Utley. But the guy's been there now almost 10 years. Carlos Chuch Ruiz who joined the Phils in 2006, uh, game number 1,000, behind a plate in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform. So congratulations to Chooch. Game 1,000 is a catcher in a Phillies uniform. I believe it's one of four Phillies ever. Uh, Lieberthal, Boone, and of course uh, the other names escaping me. But it's elite company. Chooch! One of the great Phillies of our generation. Caught his one thousandth game love, a night ago. That's awesome. I love Chooch. My favorite line from Chooch all time, man. This interview hits the game winner. I hit the ball, we win the game. <laughs> love it. Love it. Nothing but love for Choochie. The Chooch. I think there's a dog in Garrett Hill named Chooch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the uh you know, the the, the backbone of those great Philly staffs 
and uh, a guy that Roy Halladay, I think, thought was the best catcher he'd ever had, and that's saying something. So Carlos Ruiz, 11 years in the Phillies organization, 1,000 games behind the plate as of last night. All right, that's going to do it. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. John Amita, as always, a pleasure, my friend. Oh, man, had a, had a great time tonight. Uh, things are looking up for Philly sports teams. So uh, stay careful, keep you updated. Yeah, 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 SoundCloud.com. Appreciate all the love and support. Follow us on Twitter. Interact with us on Twitter, at Podcast. Until next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 